Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to I Was There Too. This is the show where I talk to people that were present in the great scenes of cinema history, proving that there are no small actors, just great stories. That's trademarked. My name's Matt Gorley, and first of all, I want to say thank you to all of those who downloaded the first episode of this podcast. The reaction to this show has far exceeded my expectations, and congratulations again to all the Wolf Pop podcasts. If you haven't had a chance, check out the other shows on the network. Let's talk about today's show. Some guests that I have on the show are going to expose me as a huge nerd and fan of details. Today is one of them. My guest is Rico Ross. He's an actor and writer originally from Chicago. You might also know him from the films Mission Impossible, Spies Like Us, Death Wish 3, and perhaps most importantly, Whitney Houston's Saving All My Love For You music video, where he plays Whitney's producer slash love interest. Now that took me down memory lane. But really, he is such a wonderful guy and quite an accomplished theater actor as well. In fact, he's recently been named as an actor to watch in LA Weekly's Critics Picks for his performance in The Whipping Man. It was so great to talk to Rico Ross. Now, uh, bear with me here as I'm going to do a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon connection from our last guest to today's. This is one of my favorite games. Scout's Honor. I promise I didn't Google this. I did write it down and I'm reading it now, but I didn't Google this. Paul F. Tompkins in There Will Be Blood to Daniel Day-Lewis. DDL in Gangs of New York to Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas in Cloak and Dagger with Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman in Tootsie with Bill Murray. Bill Murray in Ghostbusters with Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver in Aliens with Rico Ross. I had such a great time talking to Rico and hearing what he had to say about absolutely one of my favorite films, especially in explaining exactly what Arcturian Poontang is and what it means to hammer some of that down. So the film is Aliens. It's the pluralized sequel to Alien. It's directed by James Cameron. Some of you may be aware of my love for H.R. Giger, and though he himself didn't work on this second film, his impression is everywhere. The action is intense, and I ate it up when it came out. So with no further ado, let's do this. Thank you. 
the film Aliens, the year 1986. The actor Rico Ross, the role Private Frost, badass colonial marine. Rico Ross, welcome to I Was There Too. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. I have to tell you, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Aliens has always been one of my favorite movies. And uh, I watched it so much that I knew every Colonial Marines character. <laughs> line. Line. And I've always had this this uh, saying to myself, because I worked for a lot of just suits, that I should never trust a man in a flat top. And you have a flat top, basically, <laughs> in Aliens. But you were, you were the first exception to that rule. You are a... a a lethal, badass colonial marine. <laughs> exactly. That's what we. And you know, the, the interesting thing about that that particular project was that they brought us in a couple of weeks before we ever started filming, and they brought a real sergeant in, and they worked our ass into shape. Oh my god! So tell me about that experience. You had the SAS in there, right? You yeah. were in England. That's right. That's right. We were yeah. in England, and we had we had their form of you know their their, their top military guy come there. And work our ass into shape, and it, it was it was interesting because for me it was great it, for most actors. It's 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 a good excuse to get in shape, but you're there every day feeding you, and 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 you're there with with the other actors, and before you know it, what they had planned is working. You are becoming a unit. You are starting to feel like you're a badass. You guys look good in that movie. You <laughs> Thank look you. good. Yeah. Thank you. And 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 and. It's largely attributed to those guys the way they planned it out, and that they they actually wanted to to bring some realism into the movie back then. And I thought I thought it was a great idea, and I, I really thought it it locked us into to feeling like you know we we were in this together. It, it had to, right? And I read a thing where Cameron had you guys shoot your first scene together. Uh, last because you had developed camaraderie by that point. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was, and you know, with most movies, a lot of people that don't know about the business, they think that it's, it's shot in a linear fashion. Yeah. Well, very often it's shot in what's most convenient for, <laughs> for, for shooting it. But yet some of the scenes that, that you see at the beginning of the movie were actually shot at the end of the movie, and which is another reason why we look like badasses, especially when we took our clothes off, because we had been working out Two weeks before the movie started, and throughout the, the three months of the filming of the film, we've been working out. So by the time we we do the hyperspace scene, everybody is like hard rock. <laughs> you know? I know. You everybody. Um, so was there any dissension in the ranks when you guys had to go through that military training? Was there anybody that was super into it or some people going, look, I'm just an actor. Why do I have to do this? Or did it really universally work for you all? I think most actors look for an excuse to get in shape. People, I mean, sure, getting in shape is hard. It's work, man. And when you when you have a reason to, then that, that makes it less like work because you know you really have a reason. And 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 of course, if you're an actor and you really believe in the project and you you want to do your best and show your best, you're playing a marine. Yeah, these are the baddest guys on the planet. You know, these are the baddest guys that we have in the galaxy. Yeah, in this exactly. Case, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this is who you're representing. You, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times, man, when I've had real marines come to me and say, you know. I watched this movie when I was a kid, and it made me want to be a marine. That's a lot of damn responsibility, I man, imagine, you know. Yeah. And I, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not really a pro war person myself, but I just think that I'm glad we took the time to really try and represent these guys as best we did. Yeah, and so my understanding too is that you, all you grunts, 
trained together, but Cameron specifically didn't have Sigourney Weaver or the guy that played Gorman or Burke with you because he wanted a separation, right? You guys didn't respect the new lieutenant. and Exactly. We didn't see much of them at all, to be honest with you. He, he kept us apart, and we, we really it really worked. Yeah. And it was cool with us, too, because we were talking shit about them you know, <laughs> all the time anyway in character. And so it, it, it really worked, and it just kept it, us from having to work so hard at creating this 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 make believe situation because yeah. he he put it that way. He also kept the uh, the aliens away from us, which was another thing. So when we did see the aliens, we weren't seeing them hanging around like you know you normally do on the set. They they kept he kept them apart from us too. So when you see it for the first time, there's got to be a bit of a harrowing feeling going on, right? When it you, is because yeah. you know I mean from for, for the first Alien movie, you see the alien you know right at the end of the movie. Yeah. In our production of it, you see it throughout. And uh, for us, when we're filming, you know, we, we really see them when we're when we're filming. Uh-huh. That's when we see them. That's amazing. And it, what was really interesting was it was a little girl, you know, when, when she would see them, you know. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was real. It made got, it real for everybody. You, you must know? have had some protective instincts that would come in and try to We did, but, her. you know, most of the time she was either by herself or she was – she was with Sigourney, uh-huh. except for the, that one scene when we were all in together. But uh, most of the time, she was with Sigourney. So Sigourney was that one that was kind of like really, and that worked for them too because it did create a bond. And even to this day, they they have that kind of bond. We got together oh, wow. um, in Canada probably about uh, four or five months ago, and it, it was interesting because there's still that that bond. And we went out to dinner afterwards, and uh, Sigourney and her were sitting next to each other, and Sigourney. Uh, Gave her a little a little little present. It was a ring, oh. and its ring and its ring inside this ring it said in French. I don't know why French, but it said you know uh, love forever. <laughs> oh my god! And this is like thirty years after yeah. the movie, twenty five thirty years after the movie, they still have that kind of special relationship. So it, was, it was interesting. There is something special about this movie because it's it's following on the heels of a great film, and this is one of the few exceptions where a sequel is as good as the first one. And I think the key maybe there was that they didn't try to go strictly for a horror thing, that it turned into a, just a wonderful action movie. I don't. I always think that when you have a great film to do a sequel. You're setting yourself up for failure <laughs> yeah, in a lot of it's cases. A huge risk, yeah. You know, uh, unless you come with the same thing. But with this, the alien, the, the first movie was very much like a suspense movie, mm-hmm. and by the end of the movie, they see the aliens. So James definitely couldn't use that right. because the alien was seen. There's no reveal, and so he actually was able to come up with something that I thought was 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 very so much different. I mean, making it an action movie that that made it harder for people to try and compare the two together. They're hmm. very different types of films, even yeah. though it's, it's a sequel. And, um, and yeah, I mean, depending on what you like in movies, people have come up to, to us and have said that, you know, this is the best sequel they've ever seen in a movie because, yeah. because it was done so very different. I really think it's up there with Godfather 2 and The Empire Strikes Back as one of the best sequels ever made. I think, I think it, I mean, it's easy for me to feel a little biased, but um, just looking at it as, an, as, as, a, as a film lover, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Now you play Private Rico Frost. You all got to use your original first names, right? Is that Actually, correct? Robert Frost. Robert. <laughs> Wait. What, what they did, Robert Frost, Robert really? Frost. What they did That's was we all got to use our initial. Okay, That's so right. all of our initials were our real name, but the names were different. Now, is there any connection to the poet Robert Frost, or is that just a coincidence? I don't know. I do know that the Frost was, that James had 
he thought it was a little uh, tongue in cheek because he was going to have me burnt. So he thought it would be pretty <laughs> interesting to name me Frost. <laughs> so I know uh, that much. But yeah, all of us, all of our first initials. Because when you when you have your badges, it's it's just our Frost. Yeah. So all of our first initials were our our real initials. Okay. So take us through the audition process or how you were cast. Is there anything to that? Man, for my for me, it was it was a crazy time. <clears throat> I mean, you, you're looking at a, a young kid from from Chicago. Poor family, six brothers, five five sisters in our family. In our in our family, oh eleven god. kids. Oh my god! And then going to grad school at UCLA, uh, leaving grad school, working in Hollywood for a year, uh, doing Hill Street Blues uh, for a while. Then I couldn't get anything but playing angry young men. Uh-huh. I played a, I played a, a gang member in Hill Street. So one of my professors said, "Listen, why don't you try studying Shakespeare?" I auditioned. I ended up going and studying Shakespeare in London for a year. Oh, wow. And shortly after that was when I started acting in, in London. And I had just gotten cast in, in Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubert. And That's right. They were shooting at the same at time. At the same time. That's right. Yeah. But I saw James first. Then I saw Kubert. Then James called me back. But before he called me back, Kubert offered me a part. Which part was it? Can you say? Uh, you Lieutenant Cleveland was okay. the character's yeah. name, yeah. and um, and what what the situation was? Kubrick says we're going to offer you eight weeks, and which will uh, turn into forty. <laughs> <laughs> you know Kubrick, and uh, and we'll offer to you at, at, at scale. And so I went into to James, and I said, James, listen, I've already been offered this film, but I because I told you I would come back and see you, I, I, I'm here to see you. I says, but Kubrick is offering me, um, you know, first he's offering me scale, but he's offering me eight weeks, and I, and he won't let me read the script. Nobody could read the script. Wow. And partly, I think, because the script probably wasn't completely written. And so you had no idea the size of your part or anything? Yeah, and so for yeah. an actor, that's a scary thing. For sure, but at yeah. that time, you got to keep in mind, James Cameron had only done a couple films. Yeah. Terminator was, Terminator was a big thing. Come out? I think Terminator yeah. was a big thing. And the other thing was, you know, some per- piranha or something like that. Yeah, he was working for Roger Corman on B sci-fi movies. Look at right? that. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so he wasn't a big name. Yeah, right. And so, I, I, I mean, with respect... Sure. Every actor wants to wants to work with Stanley Kubrick, and 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 I didn't. That's no disrespect to James, but at that point in his career and in my career, it was Kubrick that was really you know pulling me that way. But then James said, you know, um, he says, "Listen, Rico, I wrote the script, and you've read the script. It's a good script." He says, "I'll rewrite the script, and I'll, I'll write your part in." Because I said, "Unless you can offer me, you know, Hicks or Hudson, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Kubrick." And he says, I can't offer you that now because it's early days. I haven't even seen anybody for that part. Uh-huh. He says, but what I will do is I'll rewrite the script and I'll write you uh, a very nice part. And you got some of the best lines in the movie. He did. He yeah. he he held his he held his word on that. <laughs> and so I decided to you know because I didn't know what was going to happen with with Kubrick's film and and it was only overlapped one week. Oh. And James says, listen, I will let you come to Aliens a week late. As long as Kubrick releases you. Which was never going to happen. Which I didn't know at that time because I was a young actor. I didn't really know a lot about Kubrick. And I you realized. You even started shooting at that time. Exactly. <laughs> and so when I said that to Kubrick, Kubrick was like, no way in heaven or hell will we be releasing you. And I had to make a decision. And it was such a hard decision for yeah. me to make. You know, I, I mean, actors have a lot of, we got a lot of cocky cockiness and a lot of swag. But as a young actor and having a Kubrick film and turning down a Kubrick film at that Part 
stage of my career, it was it was the most difficult decision I'd ever made. That's, that's got to be so difficult. It was, and and I decided to go with Aliens because James said I wrote the script, you've read the script, and I'll rewrite the part and you know really make it something for you. And I, I took him at his word. It was interesting when we got on set and I read the new script and I saw that I was the first one to get <laughs> to get done in. I was like, James, man, let's talk. We got to talk. <laughs> and and he came to me quite frankly and he says, Listen, Rico. Everybody's gonna die except for Sigourney. He said, "This is a film. This is a this is this is her film. You yeah, know, this is her film, and we can't have some six foot three black guy standing around, you know, doing nothing. If you're around, you're gonna be handling business, right? Right. right. So we got to get rid of you. We got to get rid of all of you, 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 you big studs. Uh, interesting. You know? I always wondered why why a handful of you were wiped out so quickly, but right. now that makes sense. Yeah. He says we got to get rid of you. So, so she's left there, not wanting to." But having to deal with yeah. this issue, yeah, he's creating some great dramatic tension. Some there. great yeah. dramatic, yeah. So, uh, so that's that's how it went down, and I and I I could only respect those decisions as as, as someone who who loved films as well, and was just beginning to understand how the how you create that kind of dramatic tension. Wow. So okay, so then you're cast, and you go through two weeks of training. Is that what you said? We go through two weeks of training, and uh-huh. then we start the film, and we start the film, but. We have our male lead is James Remar. That's right. Who's playing Corporal Hicks, right? Exactly. Who's playing Ho- Hicks. So what went down there? What? Now that I, I can't tell you about. Sure. <laughs> I oh. can tell you. I'll tell you off, off camera, but I can't tell you on well, camera. Well, listeners, I'm sorry, but my, my, <laughs> I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> but, and you know what you want to do, because Hicks and I, our characters kind of like really get together. Yeah. And we, we're like buddies, you know, we got each other's back. So what you want to do as an actor, you want to. Get close to that actor because you guys are going to be, you know, you're going to be in the film like Your brothers that. in arms. Yeah, yeah, brothers in arms. And so I got close to, to to James, and and then after a couple of weeks of shooting, and and he's no longer on the film. James calls calls Mike up, Michael up, and tells him, you know, this is the part, this is the script, this is what we're going to pay you. You got 24 hours to get on the plane. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I understand. <laughs> And and within 24 hours, we've got this new cat who oh I don't really know at all. And and naturally, you know, your allegiance goes to the to the guy you've already bonded sure, with. So yeah. it was it for me. It was it was particularly hard because I I felt like I I it was hard for me to accept accept this new cat. Yeah. And then James James Remar had such a a different kind of uh, feel and flavor. He's intense. He okay. is intense, yeah. and yeah. and it was kind of rugged and rough, and you know, and then and then Michael came in, and Michael was was smooth with it, you know, yeah. and he didn't go out there. He 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 brought the audience to you. Yeah, to he's him, a sensitive you know? warrior. <laughs> yeah, he brings him. He brings the audience to you. So so when I first saw him, I was like, man, I'm just not feeling this now. And yeah. slowly, man. As we started talking and as we started working together, it, it just it just worked. It just melted in, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is this is it. This will work. This will work." Oh. And that now, Michael. I mean, you know, I just I just love his work, and I learned a lot from just watching him work. That you know, you don't always have to go out there and grab them. You can sometimes just entice them. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, Michael and I have a film coming out now. This is the first time we've worked together since uh, since Aliens. And it's a film that his company did, and it's called Hidden in the Woods, and it's, it's amazing. What um, is the story on that? It's a true story, first oh. of all, and it was it's in, it was first done in Spanish, and I think it takes place in Spain. It's a true horror story, and believe me, this is so freaking horrific that you you would not believe it was true, but it's true. Hidden in the woods. Hidden in the woods. When will we see this? 
I think it's coming out in about six months. Okay, good to know. And um, Michael does does an amazing job. You probably won't recognize this character that he's created. Is it's he so playing hideous. some a villain then, or, or a yeah, sinister he, type? Or he's he's playing this guy, but you know the way Michael plays him, he doesn't. He, it, it's never a stereotype. So yeah. it's it you know you you end up falling rooting for this this evil person. And what's your role in the film? My my role I play um, I play this this character that's that's just hungry for success mm. and he's he's in he's in the drug war kind of thing. So James Remar, that makes me want to do another podcast called I Wasn't There Too, where I just <laughs> interview him about why he wasn't in this movie and get the real story. But all I have been able to find online is that there were creative differences. So we'll we can leave it at that. Yeah, so, yeah, you leave it at that. Now you guys. Um, you got to bond together as grunts. And is it true that you got to paint your own little things on your armor? Everybody. So yours, I, I've done my work. Yours <laughs> is a heart with an arrow through it that says Heath. Can you tell the story behind that? Or is that? <laughs> you know, man, people have been asking me that for a long time. And I, I thought, you know, I, you, first of all, you have to understand these, these suits, that this armor, it's metal. Yeah. It's real metal. Uh-huh. And so when he gave us, he says, listen, you guys personalize it, do whatever you want. I, I, I start carving in, scratching in this heart, and I start scratching in the name of the mother of my kid, which just happens to be Heather. Uh, and you're I get that. halfway through, and I realize I do not have enough room. <laughs> and so I, so I, I put what I call her sometimes, Hed. But people instantly read that as Heath. So, um, you know. Well, it does take I, I, place I have in a, the future. And I have a lot of gay that, fans. Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah. Man. Don't it, Ask, it. Don't Tell has been repealed by this time. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Oh, my God. It's the future, baby. So it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, I have to ask you about a line that you have. It's actually an exchange between you and Spunkmeyer. And you said, quote, hey, I sure wouldn't mind getting some of that Arcturian poontang. Remember that time? Spunkmeyer replies, yeah, Frost. But the one that you had was male. Getting back to Heath, I think. And then you say, it doesn't matter when it's Arcturian, baby. So are we talking about another species of alien? Did you know? Is it What's going we, on? There? We are talking about definitely another species of aliens. And in our mind— So Frost is a little freaky. No. At this table right here. We're at that at that breakfast table. James gave us a script, but when we started we start working and we start vibing and we just start going off script. And James just kept the camera rolling, and we were just saying stuff, you know. And so he just kept it rolling, and he ended up keeping that tape. So you improvised that? Yeah, that That's was fantastic. improvised. <laughs> hey, you know, says Arturian, baby. You yeah. know, it don't matter when it's Arturian. You know, everybody knows. The so Arturian. that was just that was just a throw in line, and you know, I guess in my, in my mind is that you know these are aliens, so. If you if you're talking about this alien that was so damn good, then you know it, your, your imagination is, is is the only thing that's going to limit you. Well, it's good that you got killed off before you met any of the xenomorphs, because who know what would happen oh, there? Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back, and then we'll talk a little bit about James Cameron and Sigourney Weaver. Cool. Thank you. We're back with Rico Ross. Private Frost from Aliens. Uh, this is quite a treat. Now, we're moving into shooting. James Cameron. Tell us a bit about James Cameron. What was it like to work with him? James uh, is a person that that is very good at a lot of things when it comes to filmmaking. Uh, you know, he, he kind of came up through the ranks. So he knows everybody's jobs. And he knows them well. And he can do most of them yeah, very well. Yeah, because he worked in production for me. He worked in production. Well, yeah. And in this particular one, he you know, he, he designed... He produced, he wrote, 
He directed, you know, he's, he's, he's wearing about five or six different hats. And so what, what he came across from, from our perspective was he was just a regular guy when we weren't on the set. Uh-huh. Interesting. Very, very much a regular guy. But once we were on set, he was, um, he was very – the best word I, I, I find that fits is he was often preoccupied. Because, because he, he had so, so many to things. Consider, and you yeah. have to also keep in mind, the film was behind budget at one point. Mm. His wife is a producer. Gail Ann Hurd. Gail Ann Hurd. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, he's asking for things that's not scheduled and it costs money and they're already behind. This film was, could, could be taken away from him possibly. <laughs> so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pressure on this guy. I mean, you have to make a decision. There's this one scene where at the beginning of the movie – there was this late green laser that he saw someplace, and he said, "I want this in the movie. This I want this to seem like it sterilizes this 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 room, this little capsule before they go in." Uh-huh. And so you see this green laser that kind of like goes through, and it kind of like and sterilizes it before. And Gail said, "That's a great idea, and I think it would be great, but James, it's not in the budget." <laughs> and they get into this argument about this, and then. She goes, if you, if you really want it and you need it, then you go out and you get it, but you pay for it. And he says, fine, I will. And he did. This is where producer-director goes away and it's wife and husband. That, I mean, that's got to be an and interesting And now you got to sleep yeah. with this person th- that night. You know, <laughs> that was the weird thing. So that was, I, we saw that. I saw this, uh, this, 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 this really battle between this, this one little incident. And I was thinking, I remember thinking to myself that, wow, these guys have to go home and sleep tonight <laughs> together. You know? or, or maybe they don't. Or maybe they don't, yeah. yeah. But, um, maybe so, they so, get in those cryo chambers that you get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so when, I, when I would see James, I, I would often feel that he was preoccupied because he knows that he he has to give an answer, yes or no, and if that answer is wrong, it could cost time, and time could cost money. You got two hundred people sitting around, you make the wrong decision. You got to have them wait for an hour or so because you made the wrong decision, and you're paying all of them. You know, so those it, there's a lot of pressure. I remember one time I I, I was coming out of the uh, the, um, the the AP thing, whatever that big huge machine I was driving. Was oh called. yeah, the armored personal armored carrier. personal character. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm coming out of the APC, and I said, James, this is the first take. I, I said, when I come out, he said, he said, I want you to come out, and I want you to just, you guys just take off. And I said, so am I, am I going left or right? And he goes, yes. <laughs> and then he takes off. <laughs> and and now, that was correct it. me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of driving the action, because aren't you the first guy that picks up the motion sensor movement? As, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 So that, especially on, on, on those first few attacks. I'm, I'm, I've got the motion detector, and so when it, when, when, it, when it goes off and kind of like alerts us that there's something moving, then I'm the one that brings everybody to, to attention that, you know, something, there's something here that's not just us. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you guys then move into the main area. Well, you find Newt, first of all, right? We find Well, the first time, we don't know it's Newt. Yeah. So we don't know that's what right. it is. Yeah. And we know one thing for sure, it's not one of us. Right. Right. And we're on an alien planet, and it's not one of us. Yes. And, it, and it moves. And you're seeing bad signs, acid, uh, acid holes everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So all the signs are that whatever this is, you know, we're in for something. Yes. So yeah. So and and then and then the first time we discover after almost killing her that it's actually a little girl. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was that was an interesting scene because before that scene, we had all held the guns, but we had never. Let it go. And you're firing real blanks and munitions in those things? And the thing about yeah. about blanks, for those who don't haven't been on the film set, is that blanks, because you want to see that, that, that fire come yeah. out, they actually are louder and have a bigger kickback than a real bullet <laughs> would have. 
And so you're shooting this thing, and this thing when the 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 you notice the the harness that they had there, that was a steady cam. Oh yeah, for the smart guns. A yeah, steady cam right. harness that they put a gun, the James designed to put a gun onto. So when we're running, that target, no matter how fast we're running or jiggling, that aim is steady. Oh and goodness. it was so so such a great idea that he ha- he ended up patenting patenting it. Oh my God! Yes, he ended up patenting it, and uh, I think he the uh, the U.S. Army was interested in, in wow. the concept of it. Yeah, part of the success of that movie is just the visual design between those Steadicam smart guns, those power loader things that Ripley gets in at the end. There was so much familiar in that movie, but so many new things too. It was the perfect mix. I, that's that's what I think. Uh, I think I think you, you you put it into the perfect words because there was a feeling of familiarity. Yeah. When you saw them sitting down, you know there was something a little old school about it. There were things leaking, and you know there was some there was yeah. that kind of feel. So you were familiar with it, but at the same time, some of the concepts were were really pushing the boundaries. And uh, and I remember after reading the script, thinking that you know a lot of what happens in the future, you see them in movies before. And then it becomes reality, and uh-huh. this is one of those kind of movies where you see these things with these smart guns, and you see these, these, um, these glasses, Google yeah. glasses before <laughs> Google was around, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. And it was just, it was just, you know, he really was ahead of his time with with his imagination. So I read, and you can tell me if this is true, that Sigourney Weaver gave each actor flowers when their character died. Is that true? I don't remember getting flowers when my character died. I do remember that it was it was a very interesting death because it was so damn dramatic. Yeah. In the film, it happened like that. But when we were shooting this, they brought this stunt guy in, and this guy had to get on fire. <laughs> and then the first time he did it, he he's got you got to fall. Then you got to fall down three stories. Jeez. Yeah. So let's quickly say what <laughs> happened. So you guys are in basically in the alien hive complex at, at some exactly. point, exactly. And they're bearing down on you. And but they're you bearing don't know down. Where. And there's movement all around. Now yeah. we don't know. And everybody's on edge. And yeah. we're not allowed to shoot. And 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 yet we're in we're in, like in their hood. Yeah. It's a huge fusion reactor. So if you use any of the projectiles, it could blow everything everything up. Yeah. So, so we're there. And, and talk about feeling like you're there naked. You know, a marine without your gun. <laughs> Gun in, in a war environment, yeah. and you and you don't have your gun. I notice you've got a pistol. Though. I got You're a pistol. You know, yeah. so I got I, I got my little pistol. But what happens was, you know, people started using stuff that they weren't supposed to use, and yeah. the flamethrower was, of course, one of the things that we could use. And one of the aliens grabbed one of the uh, one of one of my colleagues, and she just pulled the trigger and. Put me on fire, and then of course all of my ammunition just blew up. So and that, you're the first uh, colonial marine to bite the bullet. I'm the first man. Now let me tell you this: first and is always the last. If the schedule stays as it is, Cynthia Dale Scott, who plays Corporal Dietrich, who is the one that flames you, is going to be on this show. And I just want to know if you want to say anything to her. Yeah, I got, you, some, I got yeah. some. I got some harsh words for her. <laughs> you know, talk about harsh language. <laughs> I know. Okay, so that brings us to another one of your great lines. Um, what the hell are we supposed to use, man? Harsh language? When, you, when your weapons are collected, that is a great line. You know what? It was interesting because I didn't get it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, think, that, I didn't think it was such a funny line. But people love that line. Yeah, it's a, it's that a great That was definitely James' line. That really? was James' line, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think it was clever or anything, but people loved the, the, the wit of that, of that line. 
But, you, you know, you don't toss it off like a cheesy one-liner. You do have some heaviness behind it. Like, I'm seriously asking you a question. What are we going to do? This is my way of saying it. And that's why it works. Well, you know? I, 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 that was, a, that was a, a challenge for me as an actor, too, because, you know, it's easy to say lines that you love. You're in love with those uh-huh. lines are easy because you plug right into them. What's hard is the final line that you're not really feeling it, but you know you got to find a way to make this work. And for me, I always go back to truth. You know, yeah. be in the present and just just be truthful with it, and that should pretty much take you through. And that's what I try to do. Interesting. Yeah. So, how is it working with Sigourney Weaver? Sigourney, um, you know, male or female, I think she is probably one of the best lead actors to have on uh on a shoot hmm. only because um because she she has a sense of professionalism and she has uh a sense of real concern about the project itself i felt and and a leadership that's done by example and uh, here's here's an example we were working very long hours and a lot of the people behind the camera were working over overtime. And my understanding is that they weren't getting their full pay for overtime. They were getting paid, but they weren't getting the, the golden time and whatnot that they were uh-huh. supposed to. And this was England and their 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 um, unions aren't as, aren't the same as ours. So mm-hmm. they have different rules. And some of the guys started feeling resentful because of it, because they were working these long hours which they weren't used to. Yeah, James this happened was, on Star James, Wars as yeah, well. Yeah, James was, yeah. Snap, was, was cracking the whip. And they felt like, well, if we're going to work these hours that you guys do in Hollywood, then you're going to pay us like you do in Hollywood and yada, yada, yada. And some people started getting fired. Uh, and then people stopped talking, complaining, because people were getting fired. And Sigourney heard about this, and Sigourney went and had a conversation with the powers that be. And she got those people rehired, and wow. she got those people paid. Oh, yeah, that's great. And when that happened, the English crew, you know, sometimes they, 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 they're used to their tea breaks. They're used to all that. American, we're not used to our little tea breaks. You know, we, we, we work. We work. And I think that's when they really came on board and started working for this film. Not necessarily for, for James, but I think they started working for Sigourney because she, because she, she spoke up for them. And that's just an example of this lady. You know, she has a lot of integrity, and it just doesn't go for the actors or the people of importance. It went for these people who didn't have a voice. And I think that that really made the entire uh, crew, cast and crew, work on this project. Like you know, like it was really something that they they believed in, and they 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 were going to make it successful no matter what. Hmm. I remember being after the the whole thing was over with. Another example, quick quick example. Uh, we're we're here in Hollywood now. And we've just had the premiere in Westwood, and we go back, and we want to have an after party. And so Sigourney says, well, let's go back to my place. So we go back to her her, her place, and, and they had her in this swanky hotel in Beverly Hills. And I was I was having such a great time, but but Heather wasn't with me. <laughs> or Heath, as some of you might say. <laughs> she wasn't with me, and I felt a little, you know, I felt like, wow, well, she was here to experience this too. And she is, is she in London, back in London? She was in London, okay. yeah. I, I was living in London at the, at the time. And uh, so Sigourney grabs one of the bottles of champagne, grabs my hand, takes me into, into uh, this room to the side, and she goes, there's a telephone in there. Aww. You get in there, and you call Heather, and you stay on there as long as you want because the studio's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was just, you know, it was, it was something so simple and it wasn't a big deal, but it was a big deal, you That's know, because really nice. she, she, 
understood that I was really missing it, and 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 she took some action. That's great. Yeah. So you go to the premiere. You said it was in Westwood. Is that right? Well, this is the other thing. I graduated from UCLA. Uh, I, I got to give props out to UCLA because they gave me a fellowship, man, mm. and to grad school there, <clears throat> which allowed me to move out here and and, and go. And, and I'll always be indebted to them. But while I was there, I was working uh, at, at a theater uh, in the summertime. You know, just uh, working at a little theater uh, as one of those. What do they call them? Popcorn people or whatever. Oh, a movie theater. Movie theater. Oh, yeah. I was okay. working there, yeah, yeah. while I was in college. This was one of the theaters, one of the chains. And I remember That's got a feel I right. remember when I was in college, man, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great, man, to come back here and you have your own movie, right? How We Dream. And I walk into the premiere, and it's in Westwood. It's not in Hollywood. It's in Westwood, where I went to school. Where is it? It's in one of those theaters where I used to work. <laughs> and what do I see when I walk in? I see a poster three times my size of me standing up holding one of the smart guys. And I was like, wow, man, this is, this is like, this is like unreal. That's this great. Unreal. I mean, if I had, we didn't have cell phones, but I would have taken a picture of that damn thing because it was just like, I, I dreamt this. <laughs> this is one of my wildest dreams. And it's here right this instant. It's, it's come to fruition. Wow. So it was, it was a pretty amazing start. And then that was the time when, when, when we, when I first saw the movie for the first time. And I remember when I watched the movie being blown away by the movie, but most impressed with Bill Paxton's performance because when we were filming it you know he comes across as a real kind of like a you know game over man just <laughs> scared of everything right you know just and and it, it, he he came across as kind of weak for, for we were all hard marines and he came across kind of weak really on set and I just thought you know wow I wonder what it's gonna look like and he stole the show yeah that James knew what he was doing. <laughs> James knew what he was looking for. He knew how to edit it. He knew how to use it. And and Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton's a very smart guy. He has a Texan accent, so people understand this guy is very smart. <laughs> and he works very hard at what he does. And and it paid off, man. It paid off. It was a big surprise. That's wonderful. Um <laughs> So tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up and where people can find you. You've got Hidden in the Woods coming out. I've got Hidden in the Woods coming out. I've got uh, the story of Eva coming out with me and Eric Roberts. And uh, it was it was fun working with Eric also. Talk about stories, man. If you ever get him on here. I can imagine. You better, you better have a, <laughs> a lot of time because he's got, <laughs> he's got some hella stories. Uh, and then uh, I started a production company of my own that we've just started. And it's called uh, Something Positive Productions. I was looking for a name that I wanted a name that had something positive, and I couldn't come up with anything. So, I, hey, something positive production. You already had it. And, uh, and 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 the first thing that we've just finished, and we're actually going to launch it tomorrow, is uh, you know they were doing the the ALS challenges. Yeah, bucket challenges. Ice bucket ice challenge. challenges. Yeah. And so I I decided I'm going to do it as well. But I just thought there are things that are just as important, if not more important, too, that are getting so little press. So I decided to do mine and. Incorporate it with uh, a real production of it, not just taking a little ice thing, but I'm doing a three-part production for this particular ice bucket challenge. And it also involves uh, just a, an awareness of uh, how many people we imprison in our, in, our, in our population, our penal system, to draw some attention to that. Every time we lock you away, people are making money. Uh, as a, as a matter of huge fact. Business. Huge, huge business. Huge business. Huge business. Yeah. And, and, and there's certain things that probably shouldn't be for profit because you <laughs> – the profit becomes what's important instead of the, instead of the, 
actually finding solutions to the to the problem. So I just thought it was an opportunity for me to draw some attention to something else that maybe needed a little light shine. And how can people find that? Is there a website? I'm, I'm going to launch it on everything. I'll, I'll launch it on, on my my Facebook page. I'll launch it on the ALS's uh, websites. I'll, I'll, I'll have my friends launching it. I'll, I'll launch it on, on every, every, everything that I, I can put it out there. Okay. And I'll have my friends put it out there and, uh, you know, just try and, and just try and bring some awareness. Great. And so people can find you on Facebook as Rico Ross. As, as Rico and it's Ross. two C's in Rico. It right? is two C's, yes. Okay. That, and once you put two C's in there, it'll automatically come up with me. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rico, I can't thank you enough. This has uh, fulfilled a small childhood fantasy for me. Oh, so. my pleasure, man. <laughs> I got to run off myself, too. I, I, I got this crazy audition to play uh, uh, Halle Berry's husband today. I hope it's not even for a movie that you're actually auditioning to play her husband, just for life. Nah. <laughs> you <laughs> you're know, like Tom both, Cruise right? does. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Rico. All right, my pleasure, man. Right. Nice meeting you guys. Please stay tuned for another exciting installment of I Wasn't There Too. Brand new episodes of every show on the new Wolf Pop Network are currently available for your consumption at www.wolfpop.com. Wolf Pop has a ton of great shows like Reading Aloud with Nate Cordry, Happy Sad Confused with Joshua Horowitz, Cry Babies with Sarah Thayer and Susan Orlean, Get Up On This with Jensen Karp, Off Camera with Sam Jones, The Rotten Tomatoes Podcast, Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period, with Kamau Bell and Kevin Avery, OMFG with Emily Foster and Deanna Raphael, and The Canon with Amy Nicholson and Devin Faraci. Check them out on iTunes or head to the new website at wolfpop.com. We're back. Who's we? I don't know. I keep using that phrase. It's really just me. But we're back with... Damn. I All right. As mentioned in the interview, James Remar, whom you might know as the baddie in 48 Hours or from the movie The Warriors. He's even the voice of Sideswipe in the Transformers Dark of the Age of Extinction or something. And he was originally cast as Corporal Hicks in the film Aliens. Now, the reason for his replacement is often referred to as creative differences. And it's very clear after Rico's interview that that wasn't the case. He said he didn't want to say, but he told me after the interview, and I will not betray my new best friend, Private Frost of the Colonial Marines. But I will tell you this. I did a little more digging, Woodward and Bernstein style, and found a podcast where James Remar himself talks about why he was replaced. So I think that's fair game. It's episode 128 of the Sidebar podcast. The real reason is also easily Googleable. So there you have it. There's no doubt that James Remar's Hicks would have made for a very different film. He's gruff. He's kind of a tough guy. Michael Bean is much more sensitive. What do you think would have worked best? Why don't you leave your thoughts in the I Was There Too message board, which you can find on the I Was There Too podcast Wolf Pop page. <laughs> and that completes today's installment of... Damn, I just a quick end note, my interview with Cynthia Dale Scott never happened, unfortunately. Our wires got crossed, and I never got to convey Rico Ross's parting words to her. But I would like to think that they saw each other again in an H.R. Giger fever dream. Okay, thanks once again, everybody, for joining me for I Was There Too. 
Thanks always to Jimmy Blades, who collaborated with me on that theme song, to everyone at Wolf Pop, and uh, to you for sending in already so many wonderful suggestions for guests for this show. Please keep them coming. I've got some great ideas for some upcoming episodes and have recorded some uh, great ones even since the first episode. You can get in touch with me at IWasThere2Pod at gmail.com and MattGorley at twitter.com. This podcast will be out on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday. Uh, This one is coming the week after the launch because, you know, you got to keep the excitement moving. You got to keep the relationship fresh. But from here on out, it'll be every two weeks on Wednesdays. So set your calendars for appointment podcast downloading. Thank you so much. And just get out there and hammer down some of that Arcturian poontang. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.